2: What's up everybody, February 2nd edition of the Fightful MMA podcast, I'm your host Showdown Joe Ferraro, you can catch me online at any social media platform that you like at Showdown Joe, uh, and it is Thursday and I'm joined as always, Managing Editor for Fightful MMA, Fightful.com, Fightful Wrestling, Fightful Boxing, Fightful kempo Karate, Fightful Sancho, Fightful Death Touch, whatever you want to call it, Sean Ross Sap, you can follow him via social media as well at Sean Ross Sapp, Sean, you look like you're sick man, are you are you Okay. Sweat hogs in San Antonio gave me the flu. Are you going to be able to survive? Should I just let you go now
0: and let me carry this for the next 43 minutes? Or I'm good. I'm good. I'm, I've got you right now. I've got Matt Riddle at four. And after that, I'll I'll be pretty much sticking to editing throughout this weekend, I think.
2: Oh, boy. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, lots to discuss in the world of mixed martial arts. And of course, despite the fact that you are under the weather, I want to thank you. uh, The viewers especially want to thank you uh, for coming on here because I know how difficult it can be when you catch the flu, when you're on the road, been there, done that. And when you travel, sometimes even that recycled air in the plane uh, gets the best of you. Hence, the Diaz brothers will always talk about getting off a plane right away uh, and getting some cardio in and sweating that crap out of your system that's another discussion for another day. Saturday, uh, you were a busy man. Uh, I'm sure by now you've caught up with UFC on Fox Shevchenko versus Pena. Lots of things to discuss. One of the things that we have in the hockey world uh, are your three stars after a game. Uh, My three stars, obviously, were were the last three bouts in Francis Ngannou, Jorge Masvidal, and Valentina Shevchenko. Special mention goes to Jason Knight. Uh, Any three stars for you or honorable mentions? It was it was nice to see a Sunsal bounce back after like like I've
0: mentioned before he had that that ankle injury that that sidelined him forever. Um, not the best fight in the world, but it was good to see him get a win. Sam Alvey keeps rolling. That's that's positive news for him. But yeah, I gotta say Nganu, because if you put him in a title fight next week, I wouldn't bat an eye. If you put him against a top five opponent, I wouldn't bat an eye. Uh, Masvidal. I think I think there's a lot more to talk about in that fight than than what we than what we have right now. But and Chevchenko, of course, beat Juliana Pena. She shut up Juliana Pena, who has done a lot of talking. And I guess we're doing Chevchenko Nunez too. I guess I think. Apparently, I, I don't see why not. Well, they fought nine ten months ago.
2: Under a different auspices, obviously, uh, a different sort of realm in, in, in the division, times have changed. In less than a year, one becomes the champion, one becomes technically the number one contender. I have no issues with it, despite the, t- the short time frame. Well, I'll say, I'll tell you what, the saving grace might be, it's going to be a
0: five-round fight. Amanda Nunes in a five-round fight versus Amanda Nunes in a three-round fight is a completely different fight. And Shevchenko went the full three rounds with uh, Amanda Nunes. So uh, what I remember from that fight, and I don't remember a lot, it was like 29-28, 29-27, 29-27. It could very well end up being uh, Shevchenko taking rounds four and five and either you know maybe, maybe taking the fight if that's the case. So, hey, you know what? The more that I think about it, the more okay I am with it, just as long as Amanda Nunes isn't trying to compete for a featherweight title that shouldn't exist anyway.
2: Yeah, you know what? That's another topic altogether. That, that's or two topics altogether. Uh, but we'll 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 get to that potentially later on. Um, Jorge Masvidal. Um, It's not something that surprised a lot of people that really analyzed this bout versus Cowboy Cerrone, especially uh, Reed Kuhn, who was on the Fightful MMA podcast on Friday and was, I wouldn't say adamant, Sean, but was like, guys, Cerrone's been fighting way too much. He just fought in December. He did get knocked down by Matt Brown uh, in December in Toronto, and now he's fighting Masvidal? That's kind of dangerous, and and, and it's not looking good for him. Lo and behold, he gets knocked down at the end of the first round. Boom. And now he's, uh, you know... Second round, he shouldn't even be been competing, to be honest with you. I don't know how he got past the doctor, but he's able to compete, and Masvidal finishes him off.
0: A lot of people act like Cerrone's fighting like six times a year. It's four times a year, but, it, I mean, that's a lot in the UFC. It's usually about three times. But the thing is, it isn't four fights one year, one time. No, it's every year since, I think, 2000, 2013, he's had at least four fights. My main concern wasn't how much he fights. It's the last two fights where he's been fighting off of his back foot. What? When did that become a thing? I know it became a thing between 202 and 206 apparently because that's when he had trouble with Matt Brown and he had a whole lot of trouble with Masvidal. Now the thing is, Masvidal and Brown are both aggressive aggressive strikers and you know maybe you would want to fight off of your back foot against those two guys. But apparently it doesn't work as well as whatever you were doing before. Now that... That kick that Masvidal caught, it was not your your standard Donald Cerrone kick. He usually keeps people at the end of his kicks. He didn't do that with Masvidal. You'll you'll see he caught him with the upper part of his shin, and Masvidal knew it, and he's like, okay, I'm going to counter it. Pop, dropped him. So there are a lot of little things that are worrisome about Donald Cerrone. Even though he beat Matt Brown, that was a tough fight for him. That was a very tough fight for him uh especially as compared to some of the fights that he's just made look simple at welterweight. Now uh this the guy he's fighting, you know, formerly a a a lightweight as well, but I'm also glad to see two guys fighting at welterweight where they should be fighting. Don't cut that extra weight. Don't do all that extra damage to your body. But yeah, I think that's the more even a more interesting story is why Donald Cerrone has fought off his back foot. Maybe it's the style of opponent.
2: Yeah, um, that's a good analysis right there. Um, sorry, I got Lex McMahon calling me. Should I pick it up? Sure. Do it. <laughs> it just ended. Oh, come on. Uh, what does Lex want? That should be something, uh, who knows, Titan FC related. Could be UFC related because he does uh, represent Stefan Struve, but uh, amongst other guys. And we do have another guy that just just literally just fought in Titan. First time, got to call his fight. And the UFC scoops him up, just like they scooped up um, Volkan Uzdemir competing on Saturday, which we'll get to a little bit later. Um, Sean, you and I, or sorry, b- before we move on to you know Francis Ngannou, who towers over me, and we've seen that picture on social media. Um, Masvidal has some options, with some options falling through. There's a weird sort of triangle um, happening here. Nick Diaz uh, was involved. Uh, Nick Diaz is supposed to take on Robbie Lawler, the whole Damian Maya thing. Damian Maya turns on the fight with Masvidal. They're going to go Diaz. It's just a big, huge kerfuffle at the moment. And it looks like Neil Magny will be the guy that will be taking on Jorge Masvidal next. I'm not sure I like this fight, to be honest yeah. with you. Uh, I would rather he see Masvidal take on the likes of Damian Maya, but... Listen, if you're Damian Maya, you're at his age, Uh, you want to protect that title shot. Uh, You know, Masvidal and Lawler would be a great fight, but they're teammates, uh, or they train at the same gym. Don't think that's going to happen. I mean, what is your take on all of this? I uh, wouldn't mind
0: Masvidal
2: conned it. That would be interesting
0: if they could swing that somehow, but uh, I don't know if na- – Nick Diaz is such a conundrum. He claims he wants to fight, but he only wants to pick his fight for his time, for his money, for for his title. It's so weird. I don't I don't know. I I don't know if he even fights again. It's it's a weird situation. Don't know if he'll even want to cut the weight to 170, much less actually fight somebody that that's a threat. Because if you look back at at Nick Diaz in Strike Force, those those opponents were Taylor made for him they weren't wrestlers he didn't fight a wrestler for like 10 years it seemed like the Neil Magny fight it well it depends on what Neil Magny we get um we get a very boring Neil Magny or we get a very exciting Neil Magny uh and I think a very exciting Neil Magny could be big trouble for Masvidal too because of that reach that reach. that yeah, 80 right. inch reach is insane if I were them I would try to put Masvidal versus Condit if you can swing that it might be a little harder than than I think. But yeah, I mean, Masvidal's a top-five
2: guy now. And imagine that fight does take place and Condit smashes him, or finishes him, or wins that fight. Then you got a guy
0: who wasn't in the title picture before last week, not in the title picture anymore. Right? It's
2: just... That's the beauty of mixed martial arts. This type of story, this type of angle, this type of situation is what really puts a smile on my face. But uh, it is what it is. It looks like it's going to be Neil Magny, uh, to my understanding. But we'll let, see what well, happens. Let me
0: interrupt you real quick. What about your
2: boy,
0: Kamaro Usman, debuting in the UFC Top 15 this week? Number 14.
2: My boy. It's about time.
0: Hey, well, I mean, you know, Lorenz Lark, he's 14, so I don't think that... Lorenz Larkin not re-signing, put him in there. Maybe, maybe it did. Yeah, I think him. I think the fact that Rick Story and Lorenz Larkin were pulled kind of pushed him into that fourteen spot. And I want to know what you think about this this weird situation where Lorenz Larkin, Rick Story, and Misha Serkinov are removed from the rankings and
2: all turned down contracts. Um. I don't have any inside information just yet regarding Misha, uh, but I, to my understanding, uh, there is a lot. Based on some of the management that I've spoken to in the past couple of weeks, this whole Viacom thing, uh, this whole Bellator thing uh, is continuing to slowly sort of almost not stir the pot, but it's kind of brewing. Right, it's getting higher and higher and higher, and 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 I know a lot of the bigger guys in the bigger divisions uh, are looking at Ryzen as an option. Uh, There's a lot of conversations from people from Ryzen flying over uh, to North America, or at least getting on um, some video chats and talking to some guys and some managers. Um, There there are some changes happening in the mixed martial arts world, and I'm not saying the UFC is going to be digressing anytime soon or losing any sort of its uh, market share, but there are going to be a lot of options uh, for a lot of fighters. Um, you know, I'm not saying Misha was upset that he couldn't get that Shogun fight. He really wanted that Shogun fight because obviously with that cachet and, and, the, and the stock value, it would have brought to his name should he emerge victorious. But yeah, there, there's some things that are changing uh, in, in the whole MMA promotion, fighters having options with him as well.
0: Yeah, and I think the UFC should really not make a habit of letting some of their guys go right before they hit their prime off of winning streaks like Serkinov, like Lorenz Larkin, who may or may not be in his prime. Uh, Even a decent name like Rick Story, uh, maybe don't make a habit of that because it's a fantastic way to develop a new strike force and have some real competition facing you. Especially, especially when they are backed by Viacom. I would not allow that to happen. I would not allow that to happen because there was a guy once upon a time, Joe, named Ted Turner, and one day he just decided, well, you know what? I've owned this little podunk wrestling company for a while. I want to compete with the WWE. He called the president in. He said, what do I need to do to compete with WWE? And the next thing you know, there is a primetime Monday night wrestling program opposite of Monday Night Raw, and they kicked the living crap out of WWE for several years. Viacom is absolutely capable of making that happen at the drop of a hat. They could decide tomorrow, you know what, we want to funnel a lot of resources into Bellator MMA. We want to really put a lot into this, and we could have some real competition. So I wouldn't play that game of footsie with Viacom and Bellator if I were W-M-E-I-M-G-J-K-R-O-T-F-L-M-A-O, as you call them. (laughs)
2: No, I think you're absolutely bang on and I think, um, okay, let let, let me say this one more time. Full disclosure, obviously I'm biased, okay, Uh, and I do play by play for Ryzen. But we have to remember what happened with Pride, okay, or how Pride became so popular and so big, because people will always look for a second option when it comes to fighting. That That's what that's how our mind generally works. And Pride became a massive organization. It was much larger than the UFC at the time, uh, before the UFC became who they were, uh, courtesy of television here. But Pride became big through a VHS era, okay, mm-hmm. through a videotape era. There was no social media, okay? Ryzen has the ability now to become absolutely huge because of social media. When I say huge, I mean getting huge very, very quickly uh, based on the product that they have. Now, unfortunately, uh, in comparison to the UFC, they only hold four to five shows a year. The UFC has like 40 or 50 a year, okay? So a bit of a different story. But they have the opportunity um, to to be special, to put on special shows and pay the fighters a lot of money because they're getting – from 25, 30 to potentially 90,000 people uh, in the Saitama Super Arena. So there's an option there. And you got Viacom, tons, like you said, tons of coin. And if they woke up and decided, hey, you know what? We'll go after the UFC. We'll go after W-E-I-M-I-J-F-K uh, airport and stuff like that. We, they'll do whatever they want, whenever they want. So it'll be interesting to see what 2017 uh, – and, of course, when you talk about these three fighters and other fighters potentially, uh, like who would have ever thought Rory McDonald was going to leave other than the fact that I know who Rory's manager is and who told me a long time ago, hey, you know what? Bellator's an option for every fighter. I said, no, come on. And he broke it down for me uh, when he represented Gilbert Melendez. And Melendez was on his last fight, puts on that exceptional scrap versus Diego, which where the media, Sean, the media that were cage side forgot their laptops, stood up, and clapped for those two guys. Little did we really realize that was Melendez's last fight, and he had to put on a performance because his management was also negotiating with Bellator. Had yeah. a deal. The deal was done. He was going to Bellator until Lorenzo stepped up and said, you know what? We'll do this, that, this, and that. Next thing you know, Milenas is a coach on the Ultimate Fighter.
0: Do you think Lorenzo leaving is one of the reasons this is happening? Because this has happened a lot more since maybe the spring of, of
2: 2016 when he probably knew he was out the door. Yeah. 100%. There's a different mentality when you were Zufa who bought it from SEG and their passion was so diverse in terms of getting it regulated and sanctioned in every single state uh, in, in the United States, getting it done across Canada, going international, building the sport internationally, doing so many things, getting this whole economic impact study when they're doing all this stuff, getting lobbyist groups, getting this. And I said it so many times, the minute they get New York, the minute they get New York, mark my words, they're going to sell this company. And I remember when Dana used to do the scrums, and he would hint at that, and I would get these fat media members who never trained a day of mixed martial arts in their life, who don't know shit about mixed martial arts, and don't know damn, damn anything about the promotion, the business side of the game, are cutting them off asking what type of gum George St. Pierre choose, you know, or what type of socks does uh, Anderson Silva wear. Dude, Dana White just said he's leaving the sport soon. They said they're leaving. Follow up with that question. I just would walk away, and I would wait till I Dave Charlotte would give me Dana White myself, and then I would ask that stuff, and we would do it on UFC Central. This was something that was happening a long time ago, Sean, uh, and and it continues to happen. There's going to be some big changes. I don't know what WEMI, uh, IMG, and stuff like that are are, are planning. What I do know uh, is based on what you know Reed Kuhn said on Friday that the broadcasting rights are up. The broadcasting rights are way more expensive right now. There may be a change going from Fox to ESPN. There may be a spreading of the wealth. I'd like to know what that means in Canada because right now it's with TSN and the Fight Network. If there's going to be spreading of the wealth, will it go back to Sportsnet or will part of it go back to Sportsnet? There's a lot of changes coming down the pipe. And you're a guy who said it on numerous occasions that there's going to be some changes globally. There's going to be some changes to how many shows are being done. I'm from an old school. I want to see one pay-per-view. Two weeks later, a a show on Fox and/or Fox Sports One that promotes the next pay-per-view. I'm cool with a UFC event every two weeks. That's what I like to see.
0: Yeah, unfortunately, they're not going to do it that way. But I wish uh, they're going to. I think they will uh, drastically reduce the number of cards and the number of fights on those cards. I I think we're heading towards a period where the fighters are a little more elite. And uh, you know, Sean Pearson, he wasn't happy about uh, CM Punk being in the UFC. That was that was interesting. Go back and watch that you guys. But uh, yeah, I think we're heading back towards that. But here's the thing. Is it the elite of the elite when you're letting when you're not offering three top 15 guys enough to stay. When you're not offering Rory McDonald enough to stay. When you're not offering Ben Henderson enough to stay. When you're just letting these guys walk away. Like that I don't I don't get it. I don't understand it. And I think if Lorenzo didn't agree to negotiate the deal, Chris Weidman would be, would be in Bellator too.
2: You're right. I think you're bang on. I think you're 100% right. I think part of it is the mentality. And I don't know, and I can't speak on behalf uh, of you know Ari Emanuel and his camp and his, his team that filters down that are overseeing the UFC. But I think there's going to be a situation where they're looking more, and, and, and Pearson talked about it yesterday, how we've gone from sport in 1993 to building up to being banned to where it is now which is sport entertainment sports entertainment that perhaps the new ownership of the UFC is looking more at characters looking more at guys and girls that'll promote themselves not not just with the UFC's backing but via social media and becoming a star of that nature whereas the other ones like the Rory McDonald's who've got tons of skill just you know but they're quiet they're, it's just they're not that type of person that's gonna sit there and promote themselves over and over again, as far as they're concerned, you know, whatever, I just show up and fight. And that's just, that's an old school mentality. The new school is, it's more than just fighting. Sean Pearson said it best, it's a full-time job. Yeah, you gotta train, yeah, you gotta prepare for your fights, but, you know, you gotta do it. Look at Jorge Masvidal, he, talk, he talks all about, I don't give a shit about social media, I know the uh, the um, the formula, what it takes to be on Instagram and become popular, blah, blah, blah. I don't care about the fake media, blah, 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 blah. But here he is doing all these interviews now and getting out there and everyone's talking about him.
0: Yeah, you got to do it. You got to get people talking about you. That's the important thing in this game these days is to get people to talk about you. It's as simple as that. You get people to talk about you, you get
2: more interest on you, and things change for you. That's, that's really it. Jim Ross got I keep telling the story all the time, Sean. Jim Rostel, Chael Sonnen, and I, when we were talking to the various fighters at that incredible uh, Battlegrounds show, that one-night tournament, welterweight <laughs> tournament, and we were talking to the fighters, and, and you know... Th- you know, Jim Ross would look over at me and, and ask me some of the technical MMA stuff about the fighters and what 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 I know about each guy. But the speech he kept giving them was the same thing, and and Chael was just smiling ear to ear. I, I'm don't even, I'm not doing that accent, but you know, Jim Ross is basically <laughs> saying you need to make some noise. You need to make some noise. If you're not making noise, no one's going to care. And he would use nice the some noise, kid. Yeah. He would use the Steve Austin example, the Rock example, and all kinds of Undertaker, just Brock Lesnar. He would use the examples over and over again about making some noise, and he would end off every one of those diatribes with every fighter saying, "So, so it puts cheese on your whopper, son." And I was like, "This guy's just the greatest ever," like Jim. Rock. But it's true; he's great. It's what, yeah, he's just fantastic, man. But okay. You mentioned CM Punk. Obviously, Pierce is not a happy camper with CM Punk coming back, potentially coming back. You're you're listen, you're a wrestling guy. You live and breathe uh, that type of sports of enter- entertainment. It's yes. crossing over with this sports entertainment. CM Punk coming back, I don't know, man. I mean I'm I'm, I'm I haven't thought too much about it just yet. Uh because I love I, I think everyone deserves a second chance, but after what we saw in that first one, you didn't defend that takedown. You didn't know that you can't just go into Mickey Gall like that. But you know what are your what's your thoughts? Third from
0: the top on a fight past Carter. I don't want to see it. That's how I feel. Um, put him against somebody else that's inexperienced because it's I mean, I'll I'll pull up the 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 ranking or not the rankings, but the roster real quick. But the idea that they gave him anything but a tough fight is ridiculous because they did. They gave him a guy who'd been training for what, like, eight years and had had this was his fifth fight between amateur and pro that's that's a lot that's a lot to deal with but i mean they had some chinese fighters that were like what one in three yeah put them up against one of those why not uh if you're gonna do it do it to push your your fight pass uh subscriptions up and i don't know i mean he he moves the needle but you know what oj simpson would move the needle too but are we doing that no we're not having him fight. Uh it's weird. It's it's just weird. I get it. Like he's he's a name, he's WWE guy. But but I mean, you signed him. You didn't sign Bobby Lashley. That Bobby Lashley's a WWE TNA guy who is like what 15 and 2? Yeah. 15 and 2? And would he get crushed by 90% of UFC heavyweights? Yeah, probably, but um, there's a few heavyweights he would have beaten. And you could have made a big deal out of that too. Not as big of a deal as Punk, because he was never the big as big of a star as CM Punk. But, hey, they could have signed Batista a while back. Uh, they didn't do that, so hats off to them. Which I think they probably were interested, but I think Batista was not interested. He was talking to Strikeforce for a little while, but, but that fell through. I, I don't know exactly how that went, but...
2: Mm. Yeah, he was also so training what with the he, Diaz brothers at the time, with uh, Cesar Gracie. So yes. uh, there's that strike force connection back then. Now, speaking of heavyweights, uh, Francis Ngannou. <laughs> this guy just scares the hell out of me. Uh, but He's, he's a, disgusting. He's, he's disgusting. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. And he just he just waits. He has that right hand. He just puts that left hand out there, and he just waits and waits. And then once he unloads it, it is lights out. Now, I'm not saying he deserves a title shot versus Stipe Miocic, uh, but, man, I know it's the heavyweight division, and he's probably one fight away, but the fact he did this to Arlovsky that quickly as well, we could say what we want about Arlovsky, but Ngannou continues to improve and impress, and I cannot wait to see his next fight. Oh, me too. And uh, I don't want
0: to see Arlovsky get cut. I want to see Arlovsky fight somebody outside of the top 15. Give the guy a damn break, please. You savages in the UFC. Cut this guy a damn break for once. Uh, but Roy Nelson? Francis and- yeah, I guess technically Roy Nelson is outside of the, the the top 15 now, isn't he? I like that fight. So, yeah. Hell, I like that fight too. Uh, make that a co-made event of an FS1 card, I'm good to go. Um, Roy Nelson will make that the most boring fight of all time, though, because that's Roy <laughs> Nelson. <laughs> Come on, are you serious? Uh, yeah, yeah Roy Nelson isn't exciting anymore. But Francis Ngannou, man, whew, like I said earlier on the show, they put him against Steve Miocic. I'm not arguing with it. I wouldn't I be am. mad
2: at it. I am. I would. I would only because I firmly believe that a guy like Ngannou has to be tested. He has to yeah. go more than one round. He has to have his heart tested. He has to be in a situation where it's like, holy smokes, I punched this guy with everything I had, and he's not going away. Now what do I do? Well, the thing with, with, with that fight, the Miochik
0: fight, like, okay, it looks like Dos Santos Miochik, maybe. Miochik already beat over him. He beat for Doom. Cain Velasquez will not get a title fight until he proves he can stay healthy. He won't. That, that's just the, the, the fact of the matter. Uh, ben Rothwell, he's coming off a suspension, if I remember correctly. Uh, I could be wrong. I feel like he was suspended. No, it was a couple of years ago he was suspended. But he's coming off of a loss to Junior Dos Santos. He ain't getting it. If something happens to Junior Dos Santos, I could see them calling up Francis Ngannou and saying, hey, buddy, how about this? And here's the thing.
2: He might win. No, no, 100%. No, yeah. I mean, he's got that power. He can end things very, very quickly. I mean... As we saw. It is scary. Uh, I mean... Sean, I cannot stress it enough. If you ever get the opportunity to stand in front of this man, ask him, ask him to put his left hand out, and, and just take a look at his right hand. Okay, I, I'm all good on that. I'm all good on that because <laughs> um,
0: I like not shitting my pants. Thanks.
2: It is fantastic. He's, but he's just like I said. He's the nicest guy you can possibly ever meet. But there's a bright future for this guy. Okay, let's move away from um, the Shevchenko Pena card. Anything thing you want to talk
0: about there it looks like we got a couple of contenders out of that that's cool uh also jason knight alex caceres it was a good fight as i expected jason knight is mean
2: all right he's not a nice human being when he gets your back and he punches you he's not thinking about quantity he's thinking of busting your face like bones and everything so weird how similar those two like
0: parallels between those two and their careers so um I hope that Alex Caceres can bounce back I love watching that guy fight I love watching him fight and I love watching Jason Knight fight now as well um also on that Chevchenko pained card as I mentioned uh a Sun Sal Alvi get wins good for them good for them uh yeah
2: sure Eric Spicely, pro wrestling fan, got to win, too. Yeah, of course, I thought I knew you are going to go there. Um, in the aftermath, uh, there's a lot of conversation. I wrote an article for FightfulMMA.com regarding Amanda Nunes, regarding uh, Shevchenko, uh, Ronda Rousey, and all that. Now, before I get into the sort of the promotion, uh, actually, no, I, I do want to ask you a question before we get to the, to the conversation of Dana White stating that Ronda Rousey is probably done. Uh, Amanda Nunes, obviously an openly gay champion. Um, I would like to see her some way, somehow partner up or affiliate herself or be some sort of ambassador um, with the LGBT community. I think that'd be absolutely fantastic. What do you think?
0: I do too. I think that would go a long way in attracting uh, some new fans and building some goodwill. I think that'd be great. Also, a lot of respect to her for apologizing for kind of how she acted after the, the Rousey fight because she didn't have to do that. She didn't have to apologize, but she did. So uh,
2: a lot of respect to her for that. Absolutely. Um, Shevchenko, the, the one way. I mean, if I'm thinking as a promoter, uh, the nationalism, patriotism, just promoting her culture, promoting where she came from, would be one fantastic way to garner new fans and really promote the fact of where she was born. Uh, I know she's in Peru now, I believe, but you know, where, I think she's from Kazakhstan originally. She was born, but either way, promote For Shevchenko. That. Yeah, yeah. She,
0: she was born in the Soviet Union, but she's. I think she's from. Per, per, uh, I think she's
2: Peruvian. Okay, either way. You know how sweet it would it be if she, she was, was like, going to prove you a necktie in a fight? Um, yeah. But at the same time, promote that because uh, I think she's fantastic. But I need to ask you a very serious question. Uh, it, it could lead to you know some some deep thought. Uh, I hope you're not offended by it, but it's a very important question that we need to know and we need to ask in the world of mixed martial arts. Uh, Shevchenko's dance after that, <laughs> uh, in terms in comparison to Ben Rothwell's epic dance, oh. we need to know which one's better.
0: Well, it depends. Are we talking Rothwell's dance before he knocked out Brandon Vera when he hit his TRT switch and just flicked it into hyper mode after they had this boring fight, then he just started to do the clay guida and beat the crap out of him? Because that one beats everything. Uh, When you are a woman like Valentina Shevchenko, who people don't realize started fighting at 12, and when she was 12, she knocked out a 22-year-old woman, you can do whatever the hell you want. Who's going to stop you? I mean... People don't realize she's been fighting MMA since 2003. She's like 28 years old. What? Yeah. What? How does that happen in a world? She took four years off, four and a half years off, because she was like 20. Man, that woman. She is. She's something special. I was a little put off initially by the the Nunes Shevchenko rematch immediately, but. Since talking to you here, and you know, just a reminder: five round fight, three round fight, big difference there. I, I'm all for it now. I yeah, I was initially some. I, I was a little reticent, but I think that's a, that's the right fight to make.
2: I think the right thing to do is to figure out some way, somehow, of how to get uh, some matching gifts of Shevchenko's dance, <laughs> Ben Rothwell's dance, and getting fightful MMA. Uh, and let's get it out there and and let's put it out on social media, get a vote going because that is absolutely beyond epic between those two. And I know Shevchenko's was more of a traditional dance, which is badass, but she posts videos of her dancing all the time. All right. I'll, I'll have to get out there. I get some slacking on that. I will write that down right now. You do that. We post them on the site sometimes. What are you saying now?
0: I just said we post them on the <laughs> site sometimes. Okay, I will do so that. Saturdays,
2: you know. we got to have some content. Absolutely. Now, moving forward in that same division, Rhonda Rousey, Dana White says she is done. I... I respectfully disagree. I think she wants to just have at least one more run. If she can get rid of where she's at right now and move on to a different camp, uh, give her someone that's more of a fair fight, uh, get rid of the hype around Ronda Rousey, uh, and just show, just put, match her up fairly against someone in the division where she has a chance of actually you know, coming out and winning. I know it sounds silly, um, but then you have obviously Elias Theodoro just vehemently saying, no, dude, she's done. And you got Pearson saying, no, nah, she can probably come back. What do you say?
0: I think she's going to fight again, and I think she can fight again. And I think, like I said, um, anybody out of the top ten just – and I know Dana White's like, there are no tune-up fights in the UFC. Well, that's why your fucking stars don't last that long either. Uh, That is an okay thing to do. Tune-up fights are an okay thing to do. Fighting four – we wouldn't be looking at Donald Cerrone and saying – Oh my God, they fought four times a year if tune-up fights were more of a thing. And hey, you know what? You can build stars off of tune-up fights too because what if somebody comes in and knocks off Ronda Rousey out of the top 15? Well, I don't care how many times in a row Ronda Rousey's lost. People know who she is. People know who that person is now. Give her give her Leslie Smith. Sure. Why not? I, I think she, she can and will fight again. Um, don't know if it'll be anytime soon, but... You know, Gina Carano was thinking about fighting last year, the year before. So, yeah, I think she'll fight again.
2: Speaking of a guy who may not be fighting, though, um, we're again, I I don't claim to be captain political. I don't really follow politics as much as potentially I should, seeing as I'm the host of a daily podcast. Uh, I, I barely know Canadian politics where I'm from, let alone American politics, although our TV stations here we, we get tons of American feeds here, uh, whether it's CNN, Fox, and, and the jazz. But uh, after Donald Trump did sign his executive order uh, on Saturday, uh, banning, I guess, flights or people from seven different countries, Muslim countries, from coming in, we have ourselves one fighter uh, that's fighting in Brooklyn, and Gagar Musasi, who is born in Iran but has a Dutch passport, who's concerned, potentially not, maybe nothing to worry about, but there's a concern he may not be able to get into the country. I mean, I, I don't know. Your thoughts on all of this and and, and just, you know, what what you make of all this. I don't know. I mean, I'm not a pro or anti-Trump supporter. I just keep my hands away from it as long as it doesn't affect me getting down to the states and, and doing what I love to do and then coming home. I'm cool. But what's your take on all this right now?
0: My take is that Dana White is a friend of Donald Trump's, and Donald Trump doesn't seem to care about any rules, regulations, or standards. So one call from Dana White will probably fix the situation. And that's about as political as I'll get.
2: Fair enough. We move on. Um, I want to get your thoughts on what potentially might happen to the television deal uh, in 2018 for the UFC when you think about right now where they're at, how much they're going to be charging, because Reed Kuhn on last Friday's podcast dropped some bombs and dropped some nuggets of information that had me thinking oh wow and then afterwards i'm like oh wait a second what about canada where i'm from because that that television deal you know kind of changed my career kind of changed my life when it moved from where i was at to where it is right now but what are your thoughts down there south of the border
0: i'm interested um it feel fox feels like home to them like they always have a place somewhere on fox i mean they've been on a billion different channels from ion to youtube facebook like FX, they, they've been on so many channels, Spike. it's It's been hard to kind of keep track of all the places they've been. If ESPN gets them, that would be interesting, but I wonder if that would skew ESPN's coverage of them. Because the thing that I've liked about WME IMG is that they want a more objective approach. They don't want the shilling approach as much, and I, I really like that. Like, we've seen Daniel Cormier get, get a hand in this. But Fox and the UFC have made some puzzling choices together for who they do and they don't allow in the booth. Like, if you're off of a suspension, you're not going to be working for them. So no Frank Mir, no Stefan Bonner. And they, they were both very, very good at their jobs. And Last week, they had Michelle Watterson, and she wasn't good. And it was her first time, and they're trying to push her. But I mean, ultimately she's a 31 year old weight that isn't going to, I can't imagine that her run's going to be that much longer and that no disrespect to her, maybe it will be, maybe she'll be one of those anomalies. And it was her first time, but they made some puzzling decisions there. There's a, there's a lot more that goes into this because Joe, as you know, like you said, it affected your career, your life. This will affect the career and lives of all the people that are analysts now that, that work there now, like, it's a, it's a long-reaching decision, and it should affect the fighters because the fighters should see a cut of that damn money. I concur.
2: I concur. I totally, totally agree. So I know exactly what you're saying. I know exactly how things change. Uh, I've, I've been told, even up until recently, things are fluid. Things will always change. But uh, I call BS uh, on a lot of stuff that's been told to me recently uh, over the past two years, I should actually say. Let's move right. forward. UFC. Houston, the return of the Korean zombie. We will talk about Ring rust, Cage rust, if it's real, whether it's not real. But before we get to, to that main event, um, kicking off the preliminary card, we'll, we'll, we'll kind of go through this card fairly quickly, but kicking off the preliminary card is a rematch between Tisha Torres uh, and Beck Rawlings. This is this has got some interesting sort of angles to it. Uh, I'm sure you know where I'm going with this, but uh, I could have seen this. I understand why it's kicking off the preliminary card um, or the or the uh, the prelims. I also I also understand if it would have been the main event of the prelims. But uh, I like the fight. You know, it's it is a rematch. But what's your take on this one? Tisa Torres says
0: she might retire soon. Yep. Um. Well, you know, when you have like what like eleven fights in her pro career if you include the exhibition fights and all of them go to decision every one of them go to decision you're going to accumulate enough damage by age 27 to where it makes you think that maybe you should like I mean she does her fights do not end I don't I don't know if that was the, the the trend as an amateur I'd have to go back and look but that's rough especially you know you face Rose Nama Eunice and Angela Hill and Felice Herrig is you know her striking is no joke. Uh, she fought Rose Namayunas and Paige Van Zandt earlier in her career. She fought Esparza uh, on tough. Uh, this is a rematch of a tough fight that, that uh, Tisha Torres won. But, you know, it makes sense when you go back and look at her body of
2: work. Now, well, I remember Sean when she was fighting in Invicta. She was one of my favorite fighters. I'll yes. never forget her. I forgot what butt it was, but moving backwards and, and countering with a, with a. Suck to the face. I thought, holy smokes, and that's when I started paying attention. I just saw her doing all kinds of damage, and you're right. I'm looking at her record right now. They go to the decision. Yeah, and since – oh, gosh,
0: let's see. I want to say, since Tough, she's really – she's barely 500. She's like four and three if you include those two fights on Tough. I, I wonder if Beck Rawlings has made the adjustments here because she's a big, big, big. Big straw weight, a huge one. There are tools that she has that she can exploit to win this fight. And we always talk about the thing, the one foot out the door deal. If Tisha Torres is already considering retirement, you wonder where her frame of mind is. Although every time we've said that, it seems like that person ends up winning. So what the hell do we know? (laughs)
2: <laughs> that's always you're right yeah um the rest of the prelim card uh you got ramos tanaka uh skelly Grutzenmacher, and you got uh misted versus blade As any any one of those boats that stick out to you nope not at all and we move on to the main card uh one of our favorites angela hill she's back finally she called it the backwards way of getting back into the ufc sure uh she's taking on jessica on Drive Angela Hill uh you know one of the reasons why I am such a huge fan of hers is because it doesn't matter when I do Ryzen or what I do in general if she's watching she will let me know and just puts a massive smile on my face so I love the girl she's fantastic but uh won't be an easy fight versus
0: Jessica that's how the hell you get back to the UFC doing what she did she got right back in there and she beat everybody that Invicta threw at her four fights in Invicta now I think it's more impressive that she actually got four fights in Invicta than that she won four fights in general because there are people who can't get two fights in Invicta because they never. it seems like they were never run shows. And when they do, you, you never consistently get good cards. But she earned her way back into the UFC. Kudos to the UFC for waiving that four-month period after they screwed up with that before. But Jessica Andrade, man, when, since she came to strawweight in June, she's looked real good. Panay and Calderwood. And then if you add Angela Hill to that, that resume, that's title shot territory. It's time you give her the title shot. Um, Angela Hill's not going to be a walk in the park for her though. Not, not after the way that she has looked this year. Uh, Angela Hill has shown that she can finish in the first round, the second round. She can go the distance. She can overcome adversity. She's got heart and determination. And that's not something we necessarily saw during her UFC run. So, Angela Hill is a great case of a young fighter who was very inexperienced learning and overcoming adversity. Because, I mean, she was thrown to the wolves in the UFC, too. Esparza Torres and Nama Yunus. Yeah. (laughs) Now, keep in mind, this is a girl who, when she left the UFC, had a 2-2 and record. And those were the people she fought? Well, it ain't getting any worse than that, so... Hey, uh, she's seen about as tough as it gets in that division outside of Joanna. Uh, this this is a hell of a fight. We've got a
2: feature coming up on Jessica Andrade uh, tomorrow, by the way. Oh, very cool. FightfulMMA.com, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we move on to the heavyweight division. Anthony Hamilton taking on Marcel Fortuna. Uh, and I think Adam Martin said it best on Monday. He's like... I don't care about this fight. I want to see it. I'll, I'll break it down later on this week, but we're getting later. We're getting to later on this week. Uh Anthony Hamilton in my opinion cannot afford to lose this fight. Uh and Fortuna, from my understanding, hasn't competed in quite some time, but uh any care for this fight here or are you bringing all your inner Sean Pearson in a moment?
0: I'll care about it when it happens cuz it's a heavyweight fight. I'll care about it for about a minute and a half and then when it when it doesn't end in a knockout, I'll be like, "Okay, I don't care about this." That's pretty much how it'll how it'll play out. <laughs> okay. But Frey uh, Train does have to win. I think Frey Train does have to win. Yeah. Um yeah. he's I, I don't think necessarily to keep his job because he's been one of those win loss, win-loss, win loss guys. But if he wants to make a run, I think that he better win. He's 36 years old. And you know, I, I don't know how many 37 year old heavyweights after rotating wins and losses are gonna be able to to make a run. And he's facing a guy who, like you said, hadn't fought in a year and a half. And, hey,
2: got to do it. Got to win the fight. Uh, We move down, but up the card. Uh, Down a division, up the card. Uh, OSP, Obin St. Pruitt taking on a Vulcan, Ulzimir, My concern with Vulcan obviously taking this fight basically on two weeks' notice is the importance of needing footwork with his style and taking on a guy like OSP, uh, who obviously is the favorite in this fight to my understanding. Um... A lot of people don't know much about Vulcan. And I can attest to you, Vulcan's a bad, bad dude. Uh, and you can get Kamar Usman. Or I'll get Kamar to back it up, obviously, with training uh, with Vulcan. The guy's a bad dude. But he's going to have a hard time with OSP. And if he can't get away from OSP, considering the last week or two have been cutting weight, uh, although he is in shape because he was trained to be in the co-main event for Titan. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but now that was a heavyweight fight. He's got to cut the weight to 205 uh, to take on OSP. Your take on this bout. Here's the interesting thing about what you just said. We don't know a lot
0: about Vulcan, but what do we really know about Ovent St. Prue? We don't really know anything about Ovent St. Prue. John Jones, who is underrated as one of the great scientists in the game of MMA. I mean, he said that OSP was one of his toughest fights because OSP doesn't know what he's going to do next. And when he was studying film fighters like Daniel Cormier and, uh anthony rumble johnson and rashad evans and quentin rampage jackson they have tendencies and you know what they're going to do but i didn't know what osp was going to do and that's why i couldn't finish him because osp doesn't know what his next move is he might throw a jab and then a shot but that's something that maybe he's never done before so like the unknown is there and that could be a really really good opening for vulcan to get a big win and make an impression in the ufc One win over OSP, probably a top 15 guy immediately given the state of the division. So, yeah, and I mean, this is another guy who who faced quite a a big layoff recently in in, uh, Vulcan because I think he's only fought once over the last two, two and a half years. And I, I remember seeing him in Bellator before that, but this is a big opportunity for Vulcan and this is a fight that OSP has to win
2: if he wants to be taken seriously. Speaking of has-to-wins, uh, the lightweight belt between Abe Trujillo and James Vick, I, I already explained that there's going to be violence in this fight. It's a fight that I think you know will likely go 15 minutes, and it's going to be hell on both these guys. And then Abe Trujillo does an interview and promises there will be hell to pay in this fight and promises there's going to be damage and ugliness and someone, uh, and he's going to hurt James Vick. I really like this fight. This is my early fight that I candidate. Uh, this is going to get ugly, but someone cannot afford to lose his fight your thoughts yeah if you want some politics james dick might be your
0: guy he says some of the most asinine stuff i've ever seen um <laughs> if abel Trujillo says that it's not going to go to decision it might not go to decision that man he is something else that dude um but his last few fights have went to decision truhilo's like got one loss in his last seven fights so he's on quite a roll I think it keeps it going here against against James Vick, and it has nothing to do with Vick's uh, weird political posts, whether you're a Republican or Democrat. They're just weird.
2: Weird. You, know, you there, Sean? I think you're, uh, you're sort of code. No, no, I think you said weird, 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 which is
0: fine. Um, we yeah, about, about Vick's political posts, whether you're a Democrat or Republican, pretty much, yeah.
2: Fair enough. All right. Uh, co-main event, Alexa Grasso, who's got tons of hype behind her. She did great, uh, or pretty good, in her, uh, her Octagon debut. Uh, she's taking on Felice Herrig, uh, someone that, I guess, has turned into this gatekeeper at 125 pounds. Uh, I like this fight here, and Felice can, can sort of stop that hype train, stop the momentum that Grasso has right now, but I don't think she'll be able to do it, to be honest with you.
0: Yeah, it's a good fight. Uh, Herrig's two and one in her last three fights. Grasso is a girl that they probably want as a big star in the UFC, given her her background, her record. Um, you know, she's a Mexican star. She's twenty three years old. She's nine and zero. Oh. She has proven that she can beat some really good fighters in Invicta. So I think it's the right move. I think it's the right fight. And hey, if if Felice Herrig wins, I'm sure they're not going to be that upset with that either. Although they haven't, you know, for a while, uh, she was one of those girls that had one foot out the door as well. But I like this fight. That's a good fight. I'm looking forward to it. I think Grasso gets it done. But I don't think that Herrig's going to make it easy on her at all. I think Herrig is a much better fighter than anybody gives her credit for. Because you know how some people are. They're like, uh, a girl looks a certain way. She posts certain sort of pictures to her Instagram, and people assume she can't fight, can't fight and the UFC is just pushing her to push her. Well, the UFC doesn't push Felice Herring. She markets herself. She does a good job at it, and I think she's a pretty good fighter, but I think Alexa Grasso is going to win this fight. I concur. Uh,
2: great assessment on, on Felice as well. Um, main event, though. Bermuda's. Can't wait. Bermuda's. Korean zombie, he's finally back. He's been gone admit, for two to three I miss years. i missed so much. Oh, we all I have. missed it so much. But he is going to have some ring rust or cage rust to deal with, despite, you know, and I've said it before, said it too many times every time I bring it up, Freddy S. Sal proving it to us that, nope, there's no such thing as cage rust. doesn't happen. I did fight against Jay-Z. Well, some people can argue the other way. Uh, either way, this is going to be a fun fight. Pearson uh, told me Bermudez is going to smash the Korean zombie. I'm not sure about that. He could, he could, because we don't know. Like, we can't
0: take Korean Zombie's body of work before and apply it to now. That was two and a half years ago at the earliest. Who who knows if he'll ever be the same after the Aldo fight? Much less after the Aldo fight and a two and a half year layoff. So I don't know. I know I'm excited to see him fight again. I know that Bermudez, coming off of two straight wins, absolutely better beat a guy who hasn't fought in two and a half years. If he like like as like we said before, he wants to stay in the picture. For Korean zombie, him getting lost or him getting him losing or he getting smoked, you, you can say, well, I haven't fought. Well, two and a half. Sorry, three and a half years.
2: Yeah, it's been a while. Three
0: and a half years. And then even before that, how about this? He didn't fight for almost a year and a half before that. So we're looking at a guy who Over the last four and a half years, has fought one time. That's against Jose Aldo. His shoulder got wrecked, and Jose Aldo is one of those opponents that may change you for life. You know what I mean? Yep. Like how Conor McGregor says, they're not the same after they fight me. Jose Aldo could be one of those guys, too. Uh, Again, I'd have to look at his body of work. But uh, I'm I'm just excited to see Korean Zombie back in there. He's 29 years old. He turns 30 uh, next month, but...
2: It just brings me joy to watch the man fight. It brings me joy that you survived this whole podcast considering uh, your current state of health. Uh, and Lord knows I've been there, uh, especially my November final week of November till the middle week of January. Uh, I had a cold, not cold, cold, not cold, sickness, not sickness. Uh, I'm finally healthy now. I'm, I've been actually sweating since the beginning of this podcast because I worked out right before we did the podcast, showered and had a nice bowl of f- homemade fresh butter chicken and rice uh, and then a hot coffee, which has ah. got me in a bit of trouble right now. But uh, I feel great. hope you feel great soon. Anything else you want to talk about or at least promote Mr. Sean Ross Sapp before we say goodbye? Yeah. Uh, please follow Fightful Wrestle, Fightful MMA fightful
0: online uh follow us on twitter and facebook as always you can subscribe to us itunes stitcher youtube fightful.com has everything i'm talking pro wrestling mma boxing latest news interviews videos photo galleries results live coverage discussion forums if you register for fightful.com you can get early access to shows from shane helms we do an awesome retro topic each week uh, the Matt Riddle Brocast, which is always an experience. I met him last weekend. And I'll say this people of San Antonio, wash your fucking hands.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, Sean Ross Sapp. you can follow him online, social media at Sean Ross I told you before this podcast started, nothing good would come from this podcast. Lo and behold, he potentially waited to the very end to let it happen. Yours truly at Showdown Joe, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. I want to thank everyone for tuning in live and everyone who'll be watching this later on. Until then, or until tomorrow, 1.30 p.m. Eastern, I will have Reed Coon discussing a whole variety of topics uh, and a special surprise potentially tomorrow. Uh, I may have two guests. I'm not sure, but other than that, uh, tomorrow 1.30 p.m. Reed Coon. Thank you, everyone. This has been the Fightful MMA podcast. Have yourselves a it-